Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Real World Behavioural Science podcast. I'm here once again with um, Jim McManus, who's the Director of Public Health at Hertfordshire County Council, and with Professor Susan Mickey, who is the Director of the Centre for Behaviour Change at University College London. Uh, this is part of a mini-series that we're doing on the coronavirus, and the idea is to try and take the information that's, that's coming up in the news and in social media, and then put a behavioural and social science lens across it so that we can uh, look at how, how we should try and work together as, as a country and as a community and as professionals to um, prevent the, the spread of coronavirus and um, use the way that people really behave um, to try and deal with this crisis. So the first question, just to get back into this then um, with you guys, is are people panic buying? There's a lot of, lot of information in the news uh, at the moment about people panic buying. Now, is it, is it panic buying or is it people actually acting rationally to make sure they stock up for the fact that there's going to be this, this potential for self-isolation coming up? Well, what we know about um, crowd behaviour in, in uh, major incidents is that people will behave in situations where they don't feel that they have control in ways that they think they have control over. So all sorts of irrational behaviours will start. So things like, well, I want to avoid everybody on the train, so I'll travel an hour earlier. So everybody goes in an hour earlier, mm. and everybody panic buys toilet roll for some reason I still can't quite understand. Um, and that is people making what they think are rational decisions but actually in ways that are not really socially rational and don't make sense. And they're often fueled, I have to say, by media panic and by social media and by scaremongering. And 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 Susan, is that is do you share that view? Is that is that um is it is it rational behaviour to go and try and prepare but being hyped up by the media or, or is it somewhere in between? We are asking people to prepare. Um and we're I think the strategy that Chris Whitty has been taking of saying, this is what we're doing now, this is why we're doing it, but this is what's likely to come down the road, is giving us advance notice um, that he may be asking a huge number of the population to self-isolate, you know, if they've got a cough, a sneeze or a sniffle. And so we are asking people to think in advance about uh, engaging with that behaviour, which I think is a lot better than doing it overnight, as actually had to happen in Italy because things had got so out of hand by that point. Um, so it, it is a rational response. If people have, have been warned of this, of course, go out and make sure you've got at least a couple of weeks of food, medicine, other provisions um, in your house. Now, obviously, if everybody does it at once, it looks like panic buying. Um, but I really think the panic side of things um, is not really in people's heads. Um, our data show that people aren't overly concerned. I think it has been really ramped up by uh, newspapers trying to have um, headlines that sell more papers, basically. And, and you, you mentioned there about people uh, not being overly concerned, but do, what, what's clear is that there is a wide range of, of views on coronavirus, from those who say, oh, no, it's just a hoax or it's not a big problem at all, to those who are really, really anxious. Um, how, how, do you, how do we try and flatten that out so that people become proportionately you know, responsive to what's going on? Um, well, I think there's there's several things. One is you you need to give people accurate information and reassurance and confidence. Um, you you need to give them practical ways in which you can plan. I mean, I've had experience of self isolation with cancer on four separate occasions, and you have to have a plan for preparing for it and a plan for doing it. 
Uh, and it and it doesn't come automatically. And if you go into a supermarket, your mind might go blank, and you buy you buy stuff you don't need. Everybody does, mm-hmm. um, uh, but it's it's that combination of information, reassurance, practical steps. And one of the things that um, the Behavioural Science Network is doing is they are preparing a guide for people to how to get through self isolation, which really will helpful. be put on the website. Yeah. And Susan, did you have anything to add to that? I'm I'm really thinking about how people prepare for self isolation, both. You know, both materially by going to supermarkets and preparing, but also all the things that Jim mentioned there about it, it being very different and, and to, to what you're expecting it to be. How, how can people prepare realistically for what self-isolation is going to be like? Well, colleagues at um, King's College London have actually pulled together all the evidence we know on the psychological effects of um, isolation in these kind of circumstances. And the big problems um, are boredom, frustration, um, and loneliness. So anticipating those things um, can help people to take steps in advance that will help um, minimise and manage those things. Um, so with boredom, you know, think about the things that um, you could do at home. Depending on your circumstances, it might be jigsaws, it might be online education, it might be reading, it might be getting box sets in, um, whatever. Um, with with the uh, loneliness I think we've really got to think about especially elderly people living on their own. And this is where we we really do need communities to begin to work together and um, check on each other, you know, set up, uh, whether it's Facebook, WhatsApp, you know, social media networks so people can check in on each other to find out um, how they're doing. And also for people um, to be able to have channels of communication. You know, we're very social beings. We do need interaction uh, with other people. Um, so identify who the people are you'd like to keep on talking with and have you got the channels of communication set up um, to make it as satisfactory as possible for you. So those are some of the things we could be thinking about. Uh, and one of the things that I'd agree with all of that, one of the things I found useful is, um, so when you're a cancer patient, you often become neutropenic with certain types of cancer. Well, and, what does that mean, Jim? Um, so you basically have no immune system. Okay. And um, it's quite tedious because you're, you're in a, a white room, an, uh, you know, an aseptic room. Um, you, can't, you have boiled food. You can't even have things like fresh salad in case it gives you something and all that sort of stuff. Um, and that was my experience of at least a week at a time until your white cells started kicking in and you could actually fight infection. Um, and um, there's a six-point plan. Uh, and the first is make lists of what you'll need for the duration of that period. So what kind of food are you going to need? What kind of games and, and entertainment stuff are you going to Are you well enough to work during that period? I think the second thing is find a purpose or a project. Mm-hmm. And if you've got a purpose or a project, even if you see it as an act of charity to care for other people that you are self-isolating, um, uh, you know that kind of sacrifice. If you if that motivates you, grand. But find a purpose or a project to keep you motivated. The third thing is, I think, pampering yourself, and that is actually. So, are you going to eat dry pasta and toilet roll um, and hand sanitizer for two weeks if you're self isolating? Because that's what some people's shopping behaviour would indicate. I don't think I'd eat all those. Things. Well, no. So, so maybe plan some decent food that and some treats along the way mm-hmm. that give you. Sometimes, so you know, if you're self-isolating on a Sunday, are you actually going to buy a Sunday roast in advance so you can plan that if you can do it? Um, 
or get it delivered if you are self-isolating. And then on the loneliness, well, how are you going to keep in touch with people? Um, and then dealing finally with the issue of hunger. Boredom hunger is a huge issue. So, you know, you might eat yourself out of house and home while you're self-isolating because if you're bored and haven't got anything to do, you'll just raid the fridge the whole time. Um, so how are you going to cope with that to both keep yourself eating healthily but actually not end up so frustrated or out of food so that you actually come out of self-isolation in two days and defeat the purpose of it? And, and a couple of questions about that. So, so what, this is something that people have asked me personally, and I have to say I wasn't, it might sound like a, a, a sort of bit of a, a, a dim question, but when you are self-isolating, can you go out, for example, for a walk, or do you, are you literally confined to your house or you know, your flat or whatever? I think the advice is no, isn't it, Susan, that you, you stay in? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's, that's like, people aren't sure. That's, that's what I'm concerned about. Well, the, the key thing is, because this is a moving situation, um, you know, the key thing is for people to look at the NHS website. That is daily updated because we're getting more information about the nature of the virus, the spread, where we are within the course of the epidemic, etc. So if anybody's unsure go to the website, the NHS website, um, to look at it. I wanted to add a couple of things to the very good list that um, Jim had. Um, one is that when you're um, isolated, the one thing that you have that you don't usually have, or a lot of people don't have so much of, is time. So for a lot mm, of you people, yeah. think about the things that you would like to do or would have done if you had more time. So people are beginning, for example, to cook, um, because usually they don't have time. So, you know, one can spend quite a lot of time uh, making meals. And again, that longer time you spend making it, maybe the less you will spend eating. So one can think about that sort of thing or things around the house that one's never got around to um, doing is, uh, is really important. And my second point, I've forgotten, I'll come back to it if I remember it. Well, I think it's a really good point that you make though, Susan, because I, I was thinking the same thing about turning what is potentially a bad thing into an opportunity really and and if yeah. even if you're self-isolating alone you still have an opportunity to maybe spend that time trying to connect with other people that you you haven't had time with or, you know, to do that or whatever so whether that's writing people letters which is not something that people regularly do nowadays or getting in touch with people that you wouldn't you know you don't normally have time to get in touch with just using it as an opportunity to try and um, build social networks or as you say do some skill development and do some cooking that you don't normally get time for try and enjoy that that time that you've got off most of us have got books or box sets mm. or music or a piece of writing that we want to do and if you can turn this into an opportunity yeah um so it's not wasted um and and learn to savor it uh and i think there's um one of the great things uh about the there's a lot of people who um, don't like being alone. Mm. Uh, and I think we need to recognize there's a difference between being alone and being lonely. And uh, it will be tougher for people who, 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 don't, who don't cope well with being on their own. Now, I quite like being on my own because, you know, it just gives me a bit, a bit of peace. Um, but uh, that's partly because I've learned those skills from from uh, from across my life if you're not good at being alone how are you going to make sure that you've got social contact with people through the day just to keep you going so mm. are you using um things like alexa 
Are you using things like Facebook? Are you using that kind of stuff? Because it, what's your weak point while you're while you're self isolating? And is the point that you're making there about not letting your mental health be affected by it, or is it about not ending the self isolation early because you're so bored that you think, oh, I'm probably all right, and and you know just. I think it's both. I mean, from from experience, I remember a doctor walking into me one day to 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 put an injection of uh, uh, growth factor for white cells um, in into my my back, and he said, um, "We think you're depressed." And I went, "Well, how would you feel?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you anticipate in advance that you're likely to feel a bit down, then actually it becomes much more bearable because you you attribute it to the isolation um you can rehearse why you're doing it you're doing it for the common good you can also rehearse that this is only a phase when you stop being isolated this low mood will improve again uh, so i think those those sorts of um ways that people talk to each other talk to themselves actually and each other um are really important to help prepare people psychologically for this um the other thing is we do need to remember people's homes are very different some people don't have enough money for heating some people don't have a television or access to the internet so we do when we're giving advice and supporting people we do need to really think about the whole range of um physical and social circumstances that people are living in and give the support and advice that are um, going to be relevant for everyone. The other thing that I think we need to think about is actually um, people's physical as well as mental health. It is not good to sit around for a week or two weeks at a time. Um, So again, if you have access to the internet or to um, books with uh, exercises, then you can follow those and you know make sure that you have a couple of times during the work day when you're doing some exercise routines just to keep your body physically fit because the more mentally fit and physically fit you are, the more your immune system will be um, good and strong to resist any uh, viruses that come your way. Plus the, the the mental health benefits just of being being active are, are great also um, absolutely for people too um that's great i i i um we mentioned this last time and i don't want to go into any detail with this but i do want it to i do want this to be a, a feature of this show as well because because we're talking about self-isolation specifically in, in a in a very small nutshell jim for those people who are worried about self-isolation because of work um because they might not be paid or whatever and they might be you know they might struggle with with that uh, financially what what should they do so firstly, if you're employed, speak to your employer because the Department for Work and Pensions is issuing guidance on a weekly basis at the minute about things like sickness absence, um, employers being able to claim. Um, if you can work from home, your employer may allow that. So um, that's the thing if you're employed. If you're self-employed or on a zero-hours contract, speak to Citizens Advice Bureau. Um, contact them because they can give you advice or the local money advice unit like the one we've got in Hertfordshire um, and talk to them and look at it. Also, there are a whole load of charities out there who are willing to help with things like food and various other things. Um, uh, So go talk to them uh, and they should be able to advise you on latest DWP advice and guidance. And so the point is, if you are concerned about it, don't 
don't panic about it and do nothing. Actually, get in touch with people like uh, Jim mentioned, like the, like the Citizens Advice Bureau, and get advice because it is there for you. And um, you should you should you know to prevent yourself from um, panicking too much, you should actually sort of go and seek that advice. It is there. Um, so that that's um, another interesting show. It's really good to talk about all those the issues of social isolation. And we started with the the um, what we're calling panic buying, but might actually be quite sensible. Um, behaviors by people what what are your your top top three takeaways from the show on self-isolation jim why don't you you give yours first um plan for it uh, have a purpose and a project in mind for it um and uh plan to pamper yourself through it and actually treat it as an act of charity towards stopping other people coming down with it Right. And Susan, do you have anything to add? Yeah, I think 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 in advance about your situation because every situation is different. Um, also, talk to people. You know, the more you discuss it, you'll get ideas and and get new ways of thinking about things. So do discuss it with it, and it will help other people if you discuss it. Um, and thirdly. Do check up on other people who you think may be in a difficult situation if they were to be isolated. So that will really help with getting the more social, altruistic, collective community side of things going, which I think we really need. Great. And, and I think this is really sound advice um, and will really help people to, to uh, I mean, really reframe this as a, a potential opportunity. I know, I know that might be the entrepreneur in me, but I always look for, for opportunity in these types of um, scenarios. And, and there is an opportunity for you to, to do things that you otherwise don't have time for. Like you said, Jim, time is something that people often, you know, don't have very much of. So t- turn this into a potential opportunity and, um, and make, make the most of it. Absolutely. Um, and, and, you, and by doing it, you are serving other people. You are being altruistic. You are being, being a sensible and, and good citizen uh, in that regard. So um, that, that brings us to a close. Thanks so much again to um, Jim McManus and to Susan Mickey for their sound advice and uh, for delving into that in, in the behavioral and social sciences and how they can sort of help us get through um, all of the stuff that's coming out in the media uh, about coronavirus. We'll be back again in another few days and we'll be taking all of the information in from from the news media and from social media and talking about talking about that stuff from a from a behavioral and social science perspective to make sure we're helping put some sensible advice out into the ether and hopefully people are finding it useful if you've got any suggestions or any questions that you want to ask uh things you're not sure about and things that you've got ideas about then please do send them in uh, you can send them to me on twitter i'm, I'm on at stew underscore king underscore hh um, so if you send any ideas, questions, or um, any comments that you've got about the show, anything you want to hear us talk about, then please do send it in. Um, and other than that, thank you very much, Susan and Jim. Pleasure. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you.